Good morning. So what if I told you that you could have the most valuable thing in the entire universe, that it's available to you? Anybody, anybody want that? Anybody? All right. Cheater. He studied for the test. <laughs> Today, I am going to talk to you about something that the Bible says is more precious than rubies, more costly than gold, better than diamonds, better than a 401k, or a, a mortgage investment, or uh, an annuity, or stocks and bonds. Is that me making all that noise? I'm sorry. I'll just stand perfectly still. <laughs> So that's what the Bible says about wisdom. Wisdom. That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about how to be wise beyond our years. I'm trying to stand really still. (laughs) So I want to ask you a question. Are you wise? Are you wise? Would people refer to you and say, wow, that, are you just a wise guy? Oh, speaking of wise guys. (laughs) All right, I'll take this off. Thanks, Pete. Would you consider yourself wise? Today, I am going to demonstrate to you, using the word of God, how you can have wisdom. You can actually obtain wisdom. The The fact of the matter is God is all wise. God knows everything. It says that that he is wisdom. In Proverbs 8, it says wisdom was there at the foundations of the earth, at the creation of of the universe, of the galaxies. Wisdom was there. And God is wisdom. And God has promised that when we seek wisdom, we can have it. Isn't that the most amazing promise? Think about this. Wisdom is the thing that permeates every other area of your life. It permeates your relationships, your finances, your business, your um, marriage, parenting, everything. And the promise is that as we seek wisdom, God has promised to give it to us, and not just to give it to us, but to give it to us generously without finding fault. You know, it's so easy for us to find fault in ourselves or in others. But God says that he will give us wisdom without finding fault, that he'll give it generously. So what is wisdom? Wisdom is God, and God is wisdom. And God has provided everything that we need for life and godliness, and and he has given us an entire book of the Bible called the Book of Wisdom. That's the Proverbs. And the story of the Book of Wisdom is that <clears throat> Excuse me. When God went, when um, when the Lord went to Solomon and said, "What would you like?" Solomon said, "I just want wisdom. I want to know how to lead these people." And the Lord said, "Because you asked for wisdom, you didn't ask for riches or more fame or anything else. All of those things I'm going to give to you as well." And that's one of the promises that we have in the word of God, too, is that as we seek wisdom and as we obtain wisdom, all these other things are going to be provided for us as well. Protection, honor, 
God is going to make us great. It says he'll give us victory. He'll give us favor. All of these things. I'm going to show you how the word of God is the source for us to find wisdom. So the Lord is wisdom, but, he, but wisdom is something that he actually longs to give to us. He wants to give us wisdom. That's what's in his heart for us. So there was a little boy who went to school for the first time, and he came home and he announced to his parents that he was never going back. And they said, well, why not? And he said, because my teacher is so stupid. And the parents said, well, what do you mean? She doesn't know anything. She asks me everything. Just goes to show you, children think that they're very wise, and they think that they're very knowledgeable, <laughs> but the Bible does say that they, they need to uh, grow in their wisdom, right? That foolishness is bound up into their hearts. So if someone wanted to read every single thing, every single word in the Library of Congress, okay, this is one library. In the Library of Congress, if you read for eight hours a day, that's 480 minutes. If you read at only 250 words a minute, which the world record is 4,000 words a minute. So if you read at 250 words a minute, that's 480 minutes times 250 words a minute. So that's 120,000 words a day. Okay? There are a total of two quadrillion 304 trillion words in the Library of Congress, which means that if you read every single day, to get through the entire Library of Congress would be 19,200,000 hours. So that equates to 52,568 years, which means that if the average lifespan of a human being is 79.8, it would take 659 lives, lifetimes, to read just what's in the Library of Congress. How many want to bite into that? It would take 659 lifetimes just in the Library of Congress. You think about what's available on the Internet I mean, whether true or false, there is so much information available. And I'll tell you the story. Um, so I knew that the Lord was calling me to go down to the Dream Center with the youth missions team. And I knew that the Holy Spirit had prompted my heart that I was going to be making disciples. So you know how when, when you have a sense from the Lord, and then in your own mind you kind of, make the plan how that's all going to work out? Well, for me, I thought that making disciples meant that I was going to walk alongside them and work with them and be, you know, instructing them and showing them how to share the gospel with people, how to share Christ. But instead, two days into it, I developed what's called plyonephritis, which is a severe kidney infection. So I had to lay in a dorm room bunk bed for like seven days, just laid there. But the thing is that as soon as it happened, I knew that the Holy Spirit said to me, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts and my ways than your ways. So I just kind of surrendered to the process. And in the midst of that surrender, it was like the Holy Spirit was just giving me so 
many opportunities to to pray for the kids and to get prophetic words over the kids and to to have insight into their heart and I spent so much time with the Lord and and just read and worshiped and it was so incredible and one of the things that I was studying was <clears throat> excuse me the song of the stars have you guys ever heard anything about this have you guys heard of a guy named Louis Giglio he, he really studies this whole concept of the universe, and, and he purports that the entire galaxies, all of the galaxies, are not enough to contain the praise for our great God. And the, that's the stars, even the stars have their own song. And you can even go, you can Google it, uh, Google like Vela Pulsar, and you can you can listen to the song of the stars. And as I was laying there, just listening to the song of the stars and, and all these different sounds that are actually in space and listening to the song of the whales, which, which is so beautifully haunting. And Louis Giglio said that when we worship, when we stand and sing our praises, that we are joining with all of the heavens. We are joining with the entire universe in praise to our God, the one who created it all. And that is our great God. And he is the one who has all wisdom and all knowledge. And yet he wants to share it with us. He wants to share his wisdom with us. And what wisdom is, is wisdom is knowing how to walk daily, knowing how to apply the word of God, knowing how to apply truth to each and every situation. So are you wise? Do you want wisdom? Do you want the most valuable thing in the entire universe? Do this if you want it. (laughs) The wisdom of the world. There are two kinds of wisdom. There's the wisdom of this world, and there's the wisdom of the kingdom of heaven. There's, the, there's God's wisdom. Just like there are, there are two kingdoms, kingdom of darkness and kingdom of light. There's not a kingdom of gray, okay? There's the kingdom of darkness, and there's a kingdom of light. In the same way, there's worldly wisdom, and then there's godly wisdom. And what the Bible says about the wisdom of this world, in 1 Corinthians 3, 19, it says, the wisdom of this world is foolishness unto God. The wisdom of this world. So the, the wisest person in this world, what we would call wise, and the experts, compared to God, all of their wisdom is considered foolishness compared to God. And in James 3.13, it says, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, by doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. It says, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it. How many times have you met someone who knows so much about the Bible and yet you walk away from them just feeling like, oh, I suck. Anybody? It's like you walk away from that person feeling like, oh, I'm just, I'm horrible. And you see, that's just the opposite of how God wants us to feel 
When we, are, when we come in contact with someone who is connected to Jesus and connected to the all-wise God, we should walk away feeling loved because God is love. And so that's why it says here, if you're wise and if you understand God's ways, prove it by living an honoring, honorable life, by doing good works. Okay, remember, we're not saved by our works, right? But it doesn't exempt us from doing good works. It says that we do good works as a response to the love that God gives us. So do good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. Humility comes from wisdom. It says, but if you are bitterly jealous and there's selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are. Okay, so this is the wisdom of the world now. Earthly, unspiritual, and even demonic. That's the wisdom of this world. That is as wise as the world has to offer. The, the wisdom that the world has to offer us is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. So let me just say again, you know, we, we talked a few weeks back about suicide and about depression and about going through hard times and, and struggling emotionally and, and going to get help for that. I, I just want to encourage you again. If, if you're struggling with those things, seek out someone who knows the Lord. The Bible says in Psalm 1, it says, Blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Walk with someone who knows the Lord and knows the Spirit of the Lord, because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You cannot get set free, truly get set free, without the Spirit of the Lord. And so... If you, if you go to a counselor, we can recommend some to you, but go to a godly counselor, go to a Christian counselor, or seek out someone who has godly wisdom. It says in, in verse thir- or 16, it says, wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every kind of evil. Okay, jealousy, that's kind of an obvious one. Anybody that's, you know, you're jealous of anybody or or you want what they have, or you compare yourself to them. But when it talks about selfish ambition, what selfish ambition is, it's anything that does not build the kingdom of God. It's building your own kingdom. Because remember, there's only two kingdoms. You cannot serve God and your own kingdom at the same time. Being a believer is, it means to give yourself up for the sake of the God of love and the kingdom of heaven that God wants to build to us. And so it's saying here, wherever there's jealousy and selfish ambition, you're going to find disorder. Have you guys ever watched um, like political commentators on TV, on either Fox News or CNN or MSNBC or one of those? You see that? You see what happens when they disagree? You see that? Anybody? Anybody watch it? Am I the only one? That is not the wisdom of this world. No matter what side, what you believe in or politically what side you stand on, when they're contending against each other and fighting and arguing, that is not the wisdom of this world. I mean, or the wisdom of heaven. That is the wisdom of this world. And it's the wisdom of God contrasting to the selfishness and and the chaos and the every kind of evil. It says the wisdom that comes from above is, first of all, pure 
It is also peace-loving. It is gentle at all times. It is willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism, and it is always sincere. It says, and those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. So the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, what? Pure. Everything about the wisdom of God is pure. It is always for you. It is always loving. It is always faithful. It is always true. There's no guile in it. There's no evil in it. It's pure. Secondly, it's what? Peace-loving. God is a God of peace. He wants us to live in peace. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. It is next what? Gentle at all times. So if you want to know if someone's wise, you watch their life and say, is that person gentle? Or do they have their little fits of rage? Or do they have a violent temper? Okay. And what next? Willing to what? You know what yielding means, right? On the freeway? This is how it's supposed to work. Their turn, my turn, their turn. When someone cuts you off, what happens to you? Do you get annoyed? Willing to yield to others. Okay, this is the way it's supposed to work. But if it doesn't, yield to others. And, and do it as an act of worship. Really. Say, you know what, Lord, I'm doing this unto you. Don't, don't treat people the way they deserve to be treated. Don't flip them off or curse them in your heart. Just yield. Yield to others. Okay, what else? The, the wisdom of heaven is what? Full of what? Full of mercy, which means, again, not treating people the way that they deserve to be treated necessarily, but extending grace to them. Okay? And the fruit of, okay, again, we do good deeds. We, we treat others better than ourselves. We bless other people. We wake up in the morning and we think, I want to bless someone else today rather than how am I going to get my needs met today? This is wisdom. This is what the Bible says wisdom is. And it shows no what? Shows no favoritism. And it is always, always what? Sincere. Sincere. The Lord is wisdom. He is wisdom. And, and he gives wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And it says that it is something that it is impossible for us to obtain without him. We cannot obtain wisdom without the spirit of the living God. And, and also, okay, so back to the, the song of the stars. It it was so funny to me because here I am studying the galaxies and how they can't even contain the praise of our God. And yet the scientists were so excited because they could tell based on the song of the stars how old the star was. And I'm thinking, God created every single one of those stars, every one of those galaxies, every single, everything in the vast expanse of the universe, which I personally believe we haven't even tapped into how massive the universe is. I don't even, I think we, we think that we have an idea. I think the scientists believe that we've kind of come to the end of it, but I believe it's much more expansive than we even can even grasp. 
and it is all set out to worship our great God. And yet, the wisest, the most intelligent people in the world can't even tap into us a small little portion of everything God has created, and yet he still wants to share wisdom with us. I just think that's so amazing. So why is it that we don't always understand that God is wise? Why, why is it that it seems like God doesn't make sense? There was a guy who wrote a book years ago called When God Doesn't Make Sense, which is pretty much always. <laughs> Okay, let's, let's do a little, <clears throat> little history. Okay, so let's think about Abraham. So you know the story of Abraham. He was, he's considered the father of faith, right? And so God takes him out and, he's, and he points to the stars and he's like, you are going to have more descendants than there are stars in the heavens. This is what the Lord told Abraham. So what's Abraham thinking? Let's get this party started, Right? He's a young man. He's thinking, let's get the family going. Come on, let's go. What happens? He, he, he's almost 100 years old. And his wife is like two lifetimes beyond menopause. You know? And that's how long God waits. Why? That did not make sense, did it? Does it? Does that make sense to you? Why would God do it that way? Why doesn't he make a promise and say, okay, now it's gonna, we're going to start to fulfill this promise. Okay, how about Joseph? Think about the story of Joseph. Joseph has these dreams that he's going to get all of this honor. He's going to be recognized. People are going to be bowing to him and everything. What ends up happening? Joe's brothers take him out. They attempt to kill him or sell him as a slave. And they lie to their dad about the attempted murder. And then Joseph ends up, you know, God exalts him. But then he ends up going to prison. And then this woman seduces him. And then he ends up, all kinds of horrible things happen. Why would God give him these awesome dreams and then put him through that? Does that make sense? Okay, how about the story of Joshua in the battle of Jericho? Think about the, think about the army. Okay, so Joshua's coming up to these guys, and he's like, all right, you guys, I have the battle plan. And they're like, awesome. What is it, fire? Is it gonna, what are we going to do? And he's like, okay, what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to just walk around the city seven times. And then and they're like, okay, then we're going to launch the grenades? No. Then we're going to blow some trumpets, because trumpets, right, and then we're going to shout. The soldiers are like, okay, so when does the violent part start? Joshua's like, that's it. That's the battle plan. Does that make sense? Does that make sense as a battle plan? How about Job? Job is the most righteous human being on the face of the earth. And how does he get treated? All of his kids die. All of his property is taken away. He has bad breath. He has boils. His wife goes, curse God and die. Is this how the most righteous human being on the face of the earth should be treated? Does this make sense? Anybody? Does this make sense to you? Okay, how about in the New Testament, the story of Lazarus? They come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, hurry. Lazarus is really sick. Please come. Please come and heal him. 
And instead of Jesus rushing to Lazarus to heal him, he just chills out for two days. He doesn't even go. He waits and Lazarus dies. Does that make sense? Yes, Jesus goes and heals him and raises him from the dead. But at the time, did that make sense? What about Paul, Paul the Apostle, the guy who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament? That guy was shipwrecked, imprisoned, beaten, persecuted. Does that make sense? This guy answers the call of God. What about Jesus? The king of all kings. First of all, he comes to earth in a little stall as a little tiny helpless baby. And then ultimately, he ends up going to the cross. He's beaten, he suffers, and he dies for our sins. And yes, after three days, he was raised from the dead. But at the time... Think about what his disciples are thinking. They're like, what? He died? What about you? What about what you're going through right now? As painful as it might be, I heard Tony Evans say that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ... This life is the only hell that you'll ever experience. Amen? Amen? That whatever you're going through, I promise you, you can trust that our God is all wise and all knowing, and he knows the beginning from the end, and he sees everything of your life all at once. He is not bound by time. The the picture that I like to use is, imagine there's one blade of grass, okay? Okay? One tiny little blade of grass. That represents this moment in your life. Okay, now if you move back from that one blade of grass, you see a patch of grass and a field of grass, and you keep moving further and further and further back until you get out into outer space. You can't see that blade anymore. You can't see even that patch of grass. But that's how God views your life. He knows your beginning from your end. He knows every single thing about you. And everything he does is for your benefit. Everything he does is for your good. So whatever it is that you're going through right now, if it doesn't make sense, if it seems like God is being cruel, if it seems like he's forgotten you, if it seems unfair, I promise you, He is all wise. He knows everything, and he is going to get you through this. Warren Wearsby says, when you have God's wisdom, you will be able to accept and deal with the changing experiences of, of your life. When you have God's wisdom, because you can trust in the character of God. And I want to say, even if you don't understand God and you don't understand the ways of God, Don't let that prevent you from enjoying the things about him that you do understand. That he is good, and he is kind, and he is loving, and he is merciful, and compassionate, and forgiving, and patient. The things that you don't understand about him, don't let that diminish the things about him that you do understand. 
because he is so good to us. And he, he has no teachers. The Bible says, who has known the mind of the Lord that he might instruct him? There are none of us that can stand and tell God what to do and say, you know what? You blew it. But how many of us try? Sometimes in our hearts too, we contend against God and against what's happened to us because it doesn't make sense. It hurts. And I understand this. I get this. Bad things happen sometimes. But as we trust in the Lord, as we believe that God is good, he will make our path straight. And I will tell you one other thing. He doesn't always feel obligated to explain to you exactly what he's doing in your life. He doesn't always feel like he needs to say, okay, so the reason that I'm putting you through this trial is because what I'm going to do is I'm going to build your character in this way. And then eventually someday, he doesn't feel that obligation. But he does ask us to trust He asks us to trust him and trust in his goodness. And I will tell you one thing. If we realized how wise and how good and how gracious our God is, we would up our prayers a lot. We would believe for a lot more. We would ask him for a lot more in our lives if we really believed that he was as wise as he really is. So how do we get wisdom? How do we get the most valuable thing that there is? What wisdom is, the definition of wisdom is applying truth to life. And the the, the book of Proverbs, okay, so there's 31 Proverbs. A lot of months, there are 31 days, right? Today is the 1st of July. So today would be a really good day. And I'm going to challenge you to commit Uh, This morning, I read my proverb for the day, Proverbs chapter 1, and I timed myself, and I read slowly on purpose. Guess how long it took me? Two minutes and 17 seconds. So for under three minutes a day, you can have wisdom, the wisdom of the ages. You can have the most precious thing in the universe. In the Bible, it says wisdom is supreme. It says wisdom is supreme. It is the top of the heap. That is the thing to get. And um, have you guys ever heard the saying, a proverb a day will keep the devil away? I don't think that's true, but it sounds cool. (laughs) But a proverb a day will give you wisdom. A proverb a day will give you wisdom and understanding. And I want to say, again, if you don't have somebody in your life that can speak into your life with wisdom, I just encourage you to seek that out. Everybody needs a wise person to speak into their life, to mirror to them who they are, to talk about blind spots with them. You know, and and here's the litmus test. Do you have somebody in your life that can say no to you? And you would actually honor it. Do you have somebody in your life that when they say something to you, you put weight in it? Because you know that they have wisdom. I have a couple of women who speak into my life like that. And um, at the end of the trip down to L.A., I stayed for a couple of extra days and I met together with them. One of them is Kimberly Dearman, and she spoke at our ladies' retreat about five years ago. And she is seriously probably the wisest person that I know. 
and she knows how to apply the word of God to everyday situations. She, she has the wisdom of the Lord, and she reads a proverb a day, every single day, every single day. Another um, person that speaks into my life is Tammy Dunahoo. She's the general supervisor of Foursquare, and when I sit and listen to her, I mean, it's like diamonds are coming out of her mouth. Everything she says, she has so, so, so much wisdom. So I just encourage you, find somebody in your life who has wisdom. That if you ask them a question, they'll give you an honest answer. They won't just say, oh yeah, whatever, you're doing the right thing. They will tell you what is true and what is, what is best for you. Proverbs 4, verse 5 says, Get wisdom. Develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Don't turn your back on wisdom, for she will protect you. Love her, and she will guard you. Here, listen to this. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. Whatever else you do, develop good judgment. One version says, whatever you are in all you're getting, get wisdom. In all your obtaining, all of your trying to, to amass things, get wisdom. Get wisdom. Develop good judgment. It says, if you prize wisdom, she will make you great. You could get a hat that says, you know, make me great again. I'm just kidding. Sorry. Too far. <laughs> if you prize wisdom, she will make you great. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will place a lovely wreath on your head, and she will present you with a beautiful crown. So these are the benefits of getting wisdom. Protection. You'll be protected. Even if you go through hard times. Remember the verse in Isaiah <clears throat> where it says, you'll go through the deep waters, but they won't, you won't drown. It says you'll go through the fire, but you won't be burned. You will have protection if you have wisdom. You, it will guard you. It will guard you from unnecessary trials that, that won't come your way. It will guard you from that. It will make you great. It says it will honor you. It says wisdom will place a wreath on your head which symbolizes victory and honor. It says it will present you with a beautiful crown which represents status and a good reputation and favor. These are the promises that we have from the word of God. If we seek wisdom, less than three minutes a day to read one proverb every day. So I just want to challenge you. Do you want wisdom? Do you want wisdom? Do this if you're awake. Or this. <laughs> are you willing to pay the price? Three minutes a day? For couples, I strongly recommend that you do this in the evening right before you go to bed. Eric and I used to do this on a regular basis. We'd read one proverb a day and then discuss it. It's a really, really powerful tool. Could even be foreplay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm telling you, read the proverbs. Read them together. Or get up first thing in the morning, read a proverb. Okay, you guys move on. <laughs> I'm just telling you, it's the truth. Read a proverb a day. 
if you want wisdom. Wisdom is the most important thing you could have. It's the best thing you can have. Wisdom is supreme. Okay? So can we be a wise church? Can, be a, can we be a wise family? Can we do this together for the month of July? Can we read through the book of Proverbs together as a church family? Starting today? One a day. Today is the first. So I, I actually, <clears throat> excuse me, first service, I read through the whole thing. <clears throat> I'm going to assign it to you today, but I do want to read this to you. <clears throat> because it gives you a lot of warnings against temptation, gives you the warnings against wisdom. But here are the promises. Here are the promises. Oh, by the way, uh, somebody told me there is an app. It's called um, uh, Proverbs chapter. Yeah, it's called Proverbs chapter by Andrew Smith. If you want to load that on your phone, you have one chapter a day of the Proverbs, and it'll give you the, today's proverb in case it's, you know, too hard to turn the pages or something. <laughs> this is what it says. Proverbs chapter 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. This is the New International Version. It says, for attaining wisdom and discipline for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, for doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and knowledge. Can you open up your, on your uh, smartphone or if you have your Bible here, can you just open it up to Proverbs chapter 1? Proverbs chapter 1. I just want to read the very last verse of this chapter, and I still want you to go home and read it today, tonight. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 1, verse 33 says, Whoever listens to me will live in what? Safety. They will be at ease without fear of harm. Do you want to live in safety? Do you want to live in peace? Do you want to be protected and honored and made great and favored? One proverb a day. That's all it takes. Applying God's word, applying the wisdom of the word of God to everyday situation. It will help you in your parenting. It will help you in your finances. It will help you in your relationships, in your household management, in your marriage relationships with people that you don't get along with, it will benefit you. It says that whoever listens to me, wisdom, will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Amen? Who's in? Stand up if you want to commit to this. Stand up if you're going to read one proverb every single day. Less than three minutes, okay? <clears throat> less than three minutes, all right? We're going to take communion together. Just 
hug somebody before you sit down and Kuule's going to lead us in, in communion. I'll